0: My name is Matt Rury, and you're listening to Careless Whispers here on CLNS Radio, and uh, we've got a fun show for you tonight, because I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant at some point, probably sooner rather than later, but uh, first, I turn to Calvin, and I say, Calvin, how you feeling? Did you win any money?
1: I did not win any money. I never win any Mm.
0: money.
1: No, sometimes I win money, but usually.
0: If anybody doesn't know why I'm asking him that question, I did not meet Calvin in Los Angeles because he stopped at a casino on the way home. I'm sure you were just looking for an excuse to not have to meet up with me. Thanks a lot.
1: Any excuse, man? Any excuse to avoid meeting people?
0: So there's so many people that just don't understand how that how this could happen. My father being one of them, he's very disappointed in you, Calvin. Is really?
1: he? He doesn't even know me. He
0: saddened. He's saddened that I'm I sorry. I didn't get to meet my my longtime podcast associate.
1: I'm sorry, Mister Ray. I apologize. <laughs> Sometimes gambling is just more important. It's little Sometimes. things in life.
0: It is one of those little things that. I frankly enjoy. Um, Another thing I enjoy, Calvin, is is, I guess visiting your great state of California because I was there this past weekend. I got in early this morning, uh, and I went to both Celtics games over the weekend, uh, the one where they beat the Warriors and broke that home winning streak, and then where they beat your Lakers, Calvin. And I'm going to start there. I don't don't need to start at the beginning. I'm going to start in Los Angeles because – let me just tell you something. Kobe Bryant put on a show and I don't know whether he was doing it. Cause it was the last game against Boston and he was doing it for the fans or whether he's been putting on shows like this for the past couple of weeks. It, am I missing something here? You tell me.
1: Uh, well, yeah, I, I can sort of, we didn't talk about this pre-show of what direction you might go with this, but uh, I'm getting the sense of where you might go. I don't want to step on it, but um, he, just so you know, he'll, he'll pull out one of these games, uh, I would say once every, he had a two-week stretch where he was, you know, really shows flashes of the old Kobe. Now it's probably about once every five games.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, and he's, the, go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, he's also been in and out of the lineup, though. He's had a lot of shoulder problems.
0: Right, but hasn't he sort of committed to the last few games here? He's going to play them all, he says, something like of that nature. Uh, Um,
1: Yeah, that's what he said, just a game or two, I guess.
0: Okay, so the point is that he put on a show on on Sunday. The Lakers still lost. This is the best of both worlds for a a guy like you. But, frankly, Calvin, I want to say that 80% of that building was there to see Kobe, and they didn't even know or care about anybody else on the team. And while – some people may say they don't blame them for that. It was it was very annoying to me. I only I only found two or three fans around me that seemed like they were knowledgeable Laker fans and seemed like they were they knew what they were talking about and that they were there for the game and that they love Kobe of course, but they wanted the team to do well. And I know put the draft pick aside because I feel like if you go to a game, you kind of want your team to win even if it's just that one time all season, okay? So put the draft pick aside. I just couldn't believe how inept a lot of these people seem to be. Is, is this common, commonplace? I mean, I just don't understand how, the, how they can consider themselves to be diehard fans uh, of one of the greatest franchises in the history of the NBA and just seem to be so clueless on almost every aspect of the
1: game worry, I've had to explain this multiple times because uh, obviously I've been involved with the Celtics uh, post-game show for a while now and done shows with uh, many persons who's, who's criticized you know, me and the Laker fans or I guess more specifically just the Laker fans in general for, for a lack of passion and I th- I think that it, what it comes down to is like fundamentally different geography I mean, Boston is essentially a parochial place you know what I mean. Most of the people in Boston are from Boston, or like, or from out of the country and you know migrated to Boston. Usually, don't go from New York to Boston, for example, or from all over the country to Boston the way you do in LA. And mm-hmm. Boston is a, a what was there five hundred thousand people, a million people in that area. Yeah. Where you know in this in this area, we're talking twenty thirty million people. It's you know just just that alone. You in, what you're talking about is. The people who are inside Staples Center. Now, who's getting season tickets for the Lakers? It, it's like I feel like in Boston, it, it tends to be like like a melange of people. You have season tickets to the Celtics, right? You no know season tickets, you no know season tickets to the Lakers. Rich people. That's, that's it. That's season tickets to the That's it. That's just the much
0: rich people. Well, that's lame. Just the
1: rich people. Yeah. Well, the the market prices itself out accordingly. So so basically now. Now, do we have, are there a lot of, like, phony Hollywood types who are just, like, there to see Kobe? Uh, sure, that person exists, and that person is going to be overrepresented at Staples simply because of the market. You know, in, in a way, like, strangely enough, at Staples, uh, you you might even have, like, a more pure crowd of fan of the Clippers, although, you know, uh, Clippers season ticket holders... Uh, A lot of them tend to be upper middle class also, but at this point, um, you can still probably get, you know, good Clipper season tickets at a reasonable rate. Anyway, that's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making, really, is that, like, that's sort of the crowd you'll get at Staples. So when you hear the live crowd, it's a certain type of crowd that represents a percentage of what Los Angeles is. When most diehard Laker fans that I've run across are, you, you know, people who would never... Go you know go to very few Laker games or, they but they're they're still diehard they are like you know they'll fight you if you talk bad about the Lakers I don't feel like that that same type oh. of crowd is represented at table Center I well mean, okay. there were
0: definitely there were definitely a large amount of people that were ready to fight uh, just because we were in the stadium uh, and by we I mean Boston fans in general there were a couple of guys uh, Celtics fans that were really egging people on much, much worse than anything that that I would even think to do in a, in a, in a hostile environment like that. And uh, I saw them outside after the game as well. And I mean, I would be surprised if they didn't have a physical altercation with somebody somewhere along the line. Um, But there was one point where they, for, for the third time, I guess they were, they got their little Boston sucks chant going. And at that point it seemed like the game was in hand. So I decided to stand up and start waving my arms in the air and sort of egg them on. And <clears throat> from a couple rows back, somebody yelled out, stand up if you want to get stabbed. So they were yelling at me, and they told me to stand up in the parking lot as well and go find them in the parking lot. So I think I was, my life was threatened. How about that? Did
1: you threaten back?
0: I didn't, run, yeah, no, I I didn't nice threaten years. anybody back. I had my Kobe Bryant socks that they gave away at the game. I, I've, I've got those. I, why would I want to threaten anybody and get those dirty? Well, because your, your hero, uh, the
1: great Curt Schilling, also had bloody socks once.
0: <laughs> my hero. Far from it, sir. Uh, anyway. Okay, so. The, the,
1: the,
0: the, the yeah. overall point of this, this first segment for me is, is really this. Since I was in Oakland for – the Warriors game as well. My first experience at Staples center, actually dealing with a hostile Laker crowd. I feel like if in the same position next year without Kobe Bryant being on the team, there's going to be nobody in that stadium. And I think that they're filling the seats because of Kobe and that's fine. I understand people want to go see Kobe, but if those same people are not going to be yelling Boston sucks and getting rowdy for a bad Lakers team next year, then I, I don't want to have anything to do with those people. And I just don't think that they're very good fans. In Oakland, meanwhile, every single person up there was the most respectful and had the nicest demeanor of any arena that I've ever in, gone into, New York, Washington, just name all the – Phoenix. Where else have I been? Chicago. All these other places. Golden State was by far the nicest, and it just – I, it blew me away. Like the, the the meanest thing I heard in that building was sit down, you're blocking my view. And it was like, because the Celtics had gone on a little run and Golden State called a timeout and she was, this woman behind me was basically, that was her, that was her, her way of ribbing me was saying that I, I was in her way, even though there was nothing to be seen. So it was a, it was a fun little joke. And that was literally the worst thing that I heard. So it was quite a contrast. To travel down to L.A. and uh, see the debaggery that was going on in that building?
1: Well, I, I'm of two minds with this. First of all, yeah, it, it's easy to be the nicer, the, the, the more gracious fans when you, A, don't have a traditional rivalry with that team. Okay, I, I, I promise you mm-hmm. they wouldn't be reacting the same way if it was, say, the Clippers. And, okay. and, and, B, and, and B, it's also a lot easier to be nice when you're the front-running team who has a loss. One time at home all season. Now, <laughs> That's I true give, too. I will, yeah, I will give credit to the Warriors fans. They have been good for several years. Even uh, you want to go pre Steph Curry. I remember uh, in particular the uh, the Baron Davis led Baron Davis Stephen Jackson Warriors. Remember
0: there you that go. Yep.
1: Yeah, they beat the the one seed Mavericks in the first round. I remember right. in, yep. in particular thinking that, that that their home crowd there. That I, I believe this play where. Uh, Baron Davis dunks on somebody on the Mavericks. I, I want to say it's Jerk, but it wasn't. It was another tall, white guy. He dunks on so Andre Kirolinko. He dunks on Andre Kirilinko, I'm sorry, in the Jazz Series. That's what it was. And the, the insanity of the crowd was like, it, it, it was it as crazy as anything i have seen. I feel like their, their band's pretty bad for a while. So Yeah, man. I mean, any, any,
0: ev- everything that you've heard about. At every stereotype, positive stereotype that you've heard about the Golden State Warriors arena being the loudest and all that, it's true. I mean, I, I don't even know if I experienced something that loud when the Celtics won the championship. It probably came pretty close, and people might around here might call me a, a traitor or think this is blasphemous for me to admit, but I'm, I'm telling you, at least in the second half of that game, every time Steph Curry hit a three – Every time somebody made a big shot or a big play, the entire arena was on their feet and cheering, and they were loud the whole time. And then when the refs uh, made a couple of calls that the fans disagreed with, they were even louder. And so everything you've heard about that arena is true as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. And as far as the Lakers go, look, they're having their worst season in franchise history. They tied their worst loss ever in that loss to Utah. They've been They've been a disaster. Uh, you know, Byron Scott's coaching has been a disaster. There's been some regression. We'll, we'll talk specifically about uh, you know why they would, why uh, Lakers fans have turned on the the one beacon of hope that maybe this team had going forward, at least uh, you know, barring whatever moves they make in this off season. So I, I really can't blame them at this point in the season. It's like Saying farewell to Kobe has pretty much become what the end of this season has been about. You know, it's like, what else, what yep. else could it be about? Nothing. And I'm,
0: Getting that draft yeah. pick, not go, not showing up to the games. So the, and that's what I'm saying. I don't blame them for, for being there for Kobe and having that mentality and wanting to fill the stadium for him. And I would fully expect if things were flipped and it was a Celtics superstar that was retiring, it would be a half-empty stadium next year as well. Uh, but the point is, that I feel like the people of Boston would be there for that superstar and also want the team to win, whereas the people of Los Angeles, and not even that, and also know who else is on the team, have a little knowledge about the game of basketball, whereas seven out of ten fans that I saw in Staples Center uh, had no clue what they were talking about as far as the Lakers are concerned, and uh, a couple of those those fans that had no clue were were. were probably Celtics fans. So, I don't know. It's just, it seems like well, a, a large majority of the the people that were actually Lakers fans there don't really know what's going on.
1: But again, not to, you know, re-hit the point, but we're talking market. Kobe, uh, you know, Kobe's retirement. Kobe is the market. The, well, no, no. Kobe's retirement has become an event to go see in and of itself outside the Lakers. There are probably plenty of people there who are not even Lakers fans. People who just want to be part of history and see those last. You know, just transition a little bit. Speaking of history, where <laughs> you saw you saw a little bit of, you saw a little bit of history yourself on Friday night. I think it's time for you to time for you to share a little bit of that experience.
0: Yeah, before we get back into the into the Lakers uh, and what was going on or what's going on with them, um, the Celtics broke that streak, man. The Golden State Warriors were undefeated at home this season. I think it was, what, 54 games in a row. The new NBA record for games in a row at home without a loss. And the Celtics went in there. And let me just tell you, on the way there, I heard Jay Crowder was going to be out. And actually, I think I knew that before because they, he had played against Portland night before and they had announced it then, actually, that he wasn't going to play in the back-to-back. And I thought, well, there's no way the Celtics are going to be able to win this game without him. Just the way that they've been so inconsistent without him over the past three or four weeks, I didn't think that there was any chance that it was going to happen. And then, all of a sudden, Steph Curry doesn't score in the first quarter. Golden State looks flat for the first half of the game, and the Celtics lead by two at the half, and it looks like, well, wait a minute, maybe they have a shot here. And it just turned into, in my opinion, the best game in the NBA all season— and definitely the best Celtics game so this is this year I've seen the two best games of my entire life in person and they've both been against Golden State so uh, and that that includes the any of the playoff games that I saw when on that run to the championship that th- these these were the best played games that, that I think I've ever seen and it just goes to show that the Warriors are what people what they're chalked up to be, they are what uh, what everybody says they are, and that in my mind, the Celtics have shown that they are a middle of the road team and that plays up to their opponents and down to their opponents and they still have fallen into this this sort of uh, rut, if you will, uh, on the other end because I didn't think that they played too well against the Lakers two days later, but then again, maybe the Lakers were playing up. It's this weird thing in the NBA, Calvin. I think a lot of teams fall into it, and it's just it's tough to break out of.
1: Well, I mean, I think a, you know a West Coast road trip is just hard in general, anyway. So I'm not going to uh, take True. too much away from them for winning a game against the Lakers after, especially you know highs and lows coming down off a Warriors win. But let, mm-hmm. me, let me ask you this question, Ray. So the, the Warriors, Steph Curry had seven turnovers in the first half of that mm-hmm. game. And he was he was mostly guarded by Avery Bradley, who didn't guard him as much in the second half for some reason. They decided to switch Isaiah on for a lot of the second half of the game, which didn't make that much sense to me. Uh real quick on, on Avery though. Last year I thought his defense took a little bit of a dip. This year, I don't I, I feel like he's he's playing as well defensively, uh on-ball-wise, at least. As, as, you know, any perimeter defender in the NPA outside of maybe Kawhi, do you, do you agree with that statement? What do, what do you got with him right now?
0: Wow, I mean, that's a pretty bold statement because I haven't really seen a lot of the other guys on the perimeter uh, consistently throughout the year. But I think Avery's defense has been as consistent as it's ever been, and he's kind of flying under the radar. And I don't think people are really noticing it uh, because he – has Marcus Smart next to him. I think people look at Marcus Smart as the more aggressive defender, which in turn makes them think that he's the better defender or that he is the one that's leading the way and making it easier for Bradley to defend. And in the past, it may have sounded like I've argued that, but I think that – and I do think that Bradley is a better defender with Smart on the floor, but that doesn't mean that Smart is the better defender. I think he makes Bradley better, but Bradley is much more disciplined this year and he's been showing that gradually over the course of his career. Uh, I don't know if that comes with respect from the res- referees or what, but he seems to be able to stay in front of his man without fouling much more often this year than he has in the past. So I think that that plays into it quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think that's the difference to me between Smart and Avery Bradley is that, yeah, Smart is an excellent defender, and he's more of a, of a bulldog, and he can't you know he can take a charge better than Avery Bradley, sure. But I I feel like Avery Bradley's discipline is the difference maker in, in that situation where Smart will gamble sometimes. He'll uh, he'll commit that reach gamble and foul. A lot. Yeah, he'll commit that reach and foul, or he'll he'll make the occasional. Obviously, overall his defense is a net positive. Uh offense, on the other hand, is something else this year. But obviously he's a good defender. But I I just feel like this year. Bradley, the way he's been able to basically stay in front of of anybody. In the past, I I guess I've I've been critical of the way he sort of, you know, lazily goes into screens, but I I, I feel like this year he's just fighting through everything, and I I don't know, I just wanted to highlight that because I was just impressed with the way he – just the fact that Curry had seven turnovers in the first half was an incredible defensive performance to me. So, yeah. Yeah, I I thought it was –
0: I thought it was excellent, and I, I think as far as the second half is concerned, I'm not so sure if, if it's that they put Thomas on Curry or if they just said, you know what, let's just see if we can get Isaiah going, and said, just just play with, with Steph and Curry and see if you can get in the rhythm, and it worked out for the Celtics. Actually, both players, Curry went off in that third quarter, uh, and that was just an incredible performance to see as well. So, either way, great game by the Celtics on Friday. Yeah, Not so great game on Sunday, but that was really more about Kobe Bryant, and uh, the Celtics still won the game. But <clears throat> I was at that game, as we have both said. One person that I didn't see at the game—maybe I just missed him, Calvin. I don't think he was there. Was Nick Young? Uh, has he been?
1: Mean, has has he been with the team? team? Go ahead. I
0: don't
1: need to step on your transition, but I, I had one more question for you about the Celtics. Yeah, fine. That's fine. All right. Yeah. Nicky, uh, I'm not on the Celtics. I tra- transition back. Look at that. Gee, uh, yeah. So, right now, the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, and Hornets are essentially in a four-way tie. That the Hawks oh, yeah. This is, are- this is
0: my fault. This is, this is totally my fault. I should have gone the other way with this because I had something else to add as well. So, continue. Yeah.
1: So, right now, the Celtics could basically be anywhere from the from the third to the sixth seed, right? I mean, none of these teams are going to... Indiana's not catching any of these teams. Detroit's not catching any of these teams with five games left or whatever. Uh,
0: the poor Bulls are just out. Oh, my goodness.
1: So Talk about them another Hillary, time. It's three to six. Are, they're basically all playing each other. Uh, I don't think home court, or maybe you disagree, well, home court will be a huge factor in this meet. But my question to you, Larry, is of, these, of the other three teams... Which of those three teams do you want to see in the playoff? And which one would you be a little more nervous to see in the playoff?
0: Uh, you said Toronto, Atlanta, Miami?
1: No, it's, it's Toronto's the two for sure. It's Atlanta, oh, Miami. Oh, Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte,
0: Atlanta, Miami. Well, I'll just start this by saying that the guy I'm going to the game with tomorrow previously was down on this team and didn't think the Celtics were going to do anything and thought they would be out in one round. Um, And apparently over the weekend something happened because he texted me this morning to say, I've crossed over. The Celtics are going to the East final and I believe they have a shot at winning it all. So he's buying into the Kool-Aid of of beating Golden State one game. Uh, And I'll hear hear more from him tomorrow night and see what he's actually talking about. I think he's off his rocker. Uh, But as far as your question is concerned, I think Charlotte is the obvious choice for the team that you'd want to play first. I think they're young. Uh, I think that they don't have the experience. They don't even have the experience that the Celtics do of playing Cleveland last year, even though they went out and, and got swept in that first round. But that is good experience for them to build on. And we've talked about this before on this show, Calvin. People say experience in the NBA doesn't matter or that coaching in the NBA doesn't matter. But both you and I agree that when it comes to the playoffs, those things do matter quite a bit. I think the Celtics have the advantage in both areas against Charlotte, and it, that would be the easiest matchup for them as well. Uh, the other two are tough because Atlanta has really been turning it on, although they've, they have lost a couple in a row here. They kind of came out of, the, out of the, the lower half of the playoff bracket here and have surged recently. Um, that team kind of scares me because, uh, again, coaching, they have great coaching down there, and I think that if they can figure things out, they might be able to to patch some things together and uh, actually win a, a round or two. So I'm concerned with Atlanta. Miami to me is is really the the biggest concern though because Hassan Whiteside of is the player on an, all three of those teams that the Celtics really have nobody to, to match up with. Even Al Horford or in Atlanta, the Celtics I think can run with him. If Hassan Whiteside goes off in a series, I'm not so sure the Celtics stand a chance. So, I'd like to avoid Miami at
1: all costs. Yeah, here's – I'm kind of the opposite of you. You – not with Miami, I sort of agree just because just because of one of their experience. Two, you're right. Hassan Whiteside has been destroying the league in the second half of the season. Uh it, it's sort of, But it's, I, I'm, I'm sort of the opposite with Charlotte and Atlanta. And the reason being, you, you're right, I agree with your point about Charlotte not having a lot of playoff experience. But I feel like the Celtics also don't have that much playoff experience. So it, it's kind but of a I walk. think
0: the Celtics' talent level is better and their coaching is better and they do have a, a little more experience.
1: You know what would what concern me about the, about the Hornets is one, they they sort of want to push at the same pace the Celtics do. They're, both, they're also good at getting back, much like the Celtics. But they sort of have every different type of scoring offense. I think that's what that, that's what interests me about Charlotte. If Kemba Walker's played better than he ever has all year, he's basically – he and Isaiah are essentially the same player, right? Except the, the difference to me is, like, Kemba at the end of the game is a little bit scarier than Isaiah right now. And then they have, you know, from two – sort of being that swing band And they have Al Jefferson inside. I don't know. Something about this team intrigues me. I could be wrong. Whereas Atlanta, I feel like the Celtics match up well for them because they don't rebound that well inside. They're not that big. And the Celtics, who are also not big, that big, have turned themselves into a pretty ferocious rebounding team. I just I just imagine a lot of second-chance points for them in that period. Yeah, so I, I mean, I feel the, like
0: the Al Jefferson thing is a decent point as well because he's he's I mean he would fall into the same category as the Celtics don't really have a guy that can defend him. I think they would be able to defend him better than Whiteside, but I think on the other end, the Celtics would run circles around the entire Charlotte team. I don't think that's a very good defensive team down there in Charlotte, and it will, that's what that's what comes out in the playoffs. You have to lock down and get stops. and Batum is a is a nice nice defender, but. Can Kemba Walker really stay with Isaiah Thomas if he gets into the lane? Can Al Jefferson really defend Kelly Olenek at the three-point line and not butt up a rebound to somebody else uh, on the Celtics? I, I don't know. I, it just it doesn't seem like a good fit for the Hornets to be playing the Celtics as far as they are concerned, not the Seas, of course. Well, I guess we'll see. I
1: wanted to get that in because, you know, yep. at least it might be
0: the we will. We will see. Uh, it's going to be a tight race, though, as as I predicted at the beginning of the season. Tight race in the middle. A couple teams at the top, a couple teams at the bottom, but a real tight race in the middle of the Eastern Conference. So it's going to be fun to watch it play out here over the next uh, 10 days, really. Um, all right, back to your Lakers here, Calvin. Nick Young was not at that game. I didn't realize that he wasn't showing up to games, uh, but why don't you clue people in as to why that might, might be happening? Why
1: he's not showing up to games?
0: Why, well, why is Nick Young not showing up to games? And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe he was in the rotation for a while before this incident that you're about to explain happened.
1: Yeah, he has not been in the rotation for quite a while. and That's mainly for basketball reasons. It's mainly because he's essentially the same player as Lou Williams, but not nearly as good. So why are the Lakers going to play? And especially, you know, in the second half of the season, they've been committed to playing the young guys uh, as much as possible. End I couldn't call agree more. more. Yeah.
0: I think they're making the so, right move.
1: Yep. Yeah, they have been making the right move. So he's gotten a lot of, you know, uh, uh, DNP CDs in the second half of the season. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, Byron Scott saying that um, – You know, Nick Young's somewhere else in his head. You know, when he's not there, he tries to talk to him. And he's also, you know, known to be as, like, somewhat of a little kid. But I I imagine that he's probably pretty depressed. And the reason for that being that uh, a video was leaked recently with uh, Lakers rookie D'Angelo Russell. Obviously, everybody knows about this, but Lakers rookie D'Angelo Russell uh, filming himself interviewing Nick Young, who's watching the television show. D'Angelo asks him about uh, girls that he's seeing on the side. He, you know, mentions uh, a, a few girls. Uh, D'Angelo asks him about Amber Rose, and he says he says no because she knows my girl. And so the implication is, yes, he's cheating on his girl in Gia's area. It got leaked to the media, um... D'Angelo Russell was basically taking a bloodbath since then. This was supposedly right before the Lakers, you know, 48-point loss to Utah, which factored in that. Apparently, uh, people have been freezing out. D'Angelo, I guess he came uh, into the locker room, sat next to Lou Williams, who then, like, got up and sat somewhere else. Uh, you know, people are not sitting next to him on, on team planes, leaving him alone. And, uh, you know, at the so- first game after that at Staples Center, the, the fans booed D'Angelo Russell mostly. Merce- Merce- okay, so,
0: so this is where I'm going to stop you and ask a question because as far as the players are concerned and the guys that are on the team and the guys that he has to work with every day, I can understand where they are coming from as far as uh, shunning him a little bit or trying to make him pay his dues or something like that because he did take something that was supposed to be – or. Maybe Nick, I don't know how Nick Young thought was what, what he thought was going on or whether he knew that he was getting uh, taped or not, but it was it was likely that he thought it was a private conversation, right? So he took something that, those, that they had talked about in private and he put it out there on the internet or it was leaked out there by however it got out there. So I can understand where the players are coming from if they don't want to talk to this guy, if they don't trust him, if they don't want to work with him, et cetera. My confusion is with the fans and the media – why is Nick Young skating on this? why is he the one that's that, that's the victim and it, I understand that he about that whole private conversation thing but he's also doing he's also in the wrong is he not I mean he's cheating on his girlfriend and admitting to it or his fiance his fiance and admitting to it so I mean he's also in the wrong here and he seems to be skating. By the fans in the media And to me that's that's just ridiculous I, I mean if if Lou Williams doesn't want to talk To uh, D'Angelo Russell Because he thinks that whatever he says Is going to get leaked out That's totally understandable But for people to be booing him And then sort of putting Nick Young Up on a pedestal in the media Seems to be outright out- Or just totally outrageous to me
1: I mean Well here's the thing Like I don't knit up. I, I think whether Nick Young is cheating on his girlfriend or not, is, like, is that is that really any of our business? Probably not. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't need... It came out. It, it's like, all right, it, it came out. It, it is what it is. But I don't think that that reflects one way or another on whether or not, like, we should judge D'Angelo Russell. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think, like... Nick and cheating on his girlfriend, like, that doesn't mean he deserves what he gets, or, like, that's between him and her. Unless he, unless, like, he's close friends with her, or he owes her something. Right. I don't think, like, you know, if, hypothetically, if you, if you were cheating on your girlfriend, would you deserve, you know, some one of your friends calling her up and, and telling her? Not, I mean, yeah, you deserve what you deserve on your end, but, like, that doesn't mean that your friend wouldn't be a douchebag for making that same move. But, I think as far as D'Angelo goes, I, I think yes, you know, making a video intentionally and and then setting your friend up and then you know sending it out, yeah, that would that would be a problem. But it turns out like that's not what apparently has happened. I think people rush to judgment so quickly, but apparently he and Nick Young were best friends. Uh, Nick Young made a video prank on D'Angelo in the first place, and D'Angelo just sent this prank to, to get him back, and it. It's now come out that, you know, one of D'Angelo's ex girlfriends got into his phone and, and sent uh that video out to the media on, on behalf of sort of uh humiliating Yankee. Now hmm. I, I I think that and even at the time, we didn't have all this information, but the next day immediately you know D'Angelo came out apologized said he didn't know how it how it got out. He didn't know at the time uh that this story about it being an ex of his has has broken later but you can you can argue that like he deserves some responsibility for like uh you know not erasing this prank he did, but I think people who were like treating him like he is a snitch or like yeah, that he's like he deserves to get stabbed. The people around here are like, he should get you know beaten up. People are using terms like code red, It's like,
0: yeah, man, that's messed like, up.
1: Yeah, and he's like, I don't, I don't know how this happened. Like, yeah, yes, there is a video of him talking to Nick Young, but that doesn't mean he released the video. I, I think if you want to say he should be more responsible with this information, that should be a legit criticism. Uh, but that is a legit criticism, but it's not fair to. to yeah, and then say, I mean, like,
0: and also he's just a kid, right? He's not even old enough to drink. He's nineteen or twenty years old. So he and he's he's a rookie in the NBA. I don't. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. And, and the new information is that he didn't even do it on purpose. But yeah, this is his lesson now. He has to be more careful with his information. That's not something that he knew before because he's never had to deal with something like that. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. He yeah he he actually does seem to be responding to it you know better than I thought. He came out in the media. He was he was completely contrite. I feel like people are talking about how like they can like athletes will never be able to trust this guy again and like free agents won't sign with the Lakers. I I think this will all blow over relatively quickly. I feel bad for Nick Young, who is already not going to be a part of you know what was happening in this team going forward. Now it's going to appear to some. As if the Lakers, you know, chose D'Angelo over Nick Young, chose this rat over the guy who, you know, got screwed. over got betrayed by him. But like, that's really just a false narrative. That's it's because ca- wore... yeah, that's not
0: the case at all because he wasn't playing before, and that's why I tried to lead with that. He was out. Of, he was out of the rotation before any of this happened. Yeah, I, I,
1: exactly. He was out of the rotation before any of this happened. Um, I feel bad for him. I feel bad that it happened. But it's it's one of those things. Like, I wouldn't. I, yeah, you can you can give D'Angelo some blame in terms of like the intelligence of making and not deleting the video. But beyond that, like I don't think that like D'Angelo is some narc who's looking to like ruin people's relationships just for the fun of it or like he, he, nobody's saying he's this malicious guy and yet like we're all treating him like he is just because uh, you know, the guy code and guys feel bad when other guys get exposed. But but you're right. You can, was cheating on his girlfriend in the first place. And so You know, that'll happen sometimes. It's unfortunate
0: it happened like this, but it is what it is. Yep, he's just got to deal with the consequences and move along, and um, hopefully it doesn't turn into a situation where his his depression or whatever is going on in his head leads to anything worse, and they can work it out or whatever, maybe move on with their lives. Um, Just like we're going to move on right now, and I've not given out the call-in number yet, which I don't know if it matters or not. People should know it by now rules. Uh, three, two, three, six, four, two, one, four, eight, four. Also not doing any live reads or anything, Calvin. I'm just being a rebel without a cause right now. Just doing it, doing it that way. Um, up next, what's next? Greg Hardy. Oh boy. I don't know anything about this. You're going to have to fill me in.
1: Great. You're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to read up on this because Greg Hardy, uh, did an interview with Adam Schefter today of ESPN, where he basically denied be ever ever beating his girlfriend. He, I'm, I'm trying to pull up the quote now because it's just, it's just an amazing quote. Let me see if I can, uh, I have
0: it. Grab, I, okay, I don't know, I'm not sure which one you're looking for, but, uh, I have multiple quotes. You want the link?
1: Uh, or do
0: you yeah. have it? All uh, right here. Um, but yeah, he's basically, you're right, he's basically denying everything. He's saying he's never put his hand on a woman and uh in, in thing, things of that nature um but if you have a specific quote in mind i think it's all right there
1: well first he he denies ever putting his hand on a woman uh he he says that he he never says uh he, he says that he was raised never to hit a woman okay any woman no sir and then he talks about it being the bible belt okay and then uh, adam Schefter asks him about the yeah you say you didn't do it But there's pictures of her, and then he stops and says, I didn't say I didn't do anything wrong. That situation occurred, and that situation was handled. Saying I did nothing wrong is a stretch, but saying I'm innocent is correct. What does that mean, Ray?
0: It sounds like something happened, and that uh, maybe he kicked her or something. He didn't put his hand on any woman.
1: Oh, like, maybe he put a foot. Maybe he, like...
0: See what I'm saying? He,
1: like... Yeah, laying around with an elbow, like a Muay Thai elbow. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe
0: maybe it was a headbutt. Maybe he just maybe he button. just tackled her, with a proper NFL tackle that didn't wrap her up because obviously he's got to use his hands. The, the The point the point is we're not trying to make light of this, but this guy is just a total clown, and I like that Adam Schefter basically called him out for everything, uh, and his answers still make him look like a total clown. Um, Nobody's going to believe this. Nobody's going to look at him in a better light now. I I don't think, anyway. Why would they? He sounds like a moron, some of these quotes that he says. Pictures are pictures, and they can be made to look like whatever they want to.
1: What? It, It almost sounds to me like this guy, maybe he's been watching the OJ show, and he, he's, like, trying to do some sort of Johnny Cochran, like, uh, but, you know, double speak. And, you know, these pictures aren't real They just, like, that's a thing for the lawyers to decide. Did, just wait, did you, just, did,
0: did you just say this one, too? That situation occurred, and that situation was handled. But as a man, yeah. you can't avoid situations that aren't your fault or are your fault. So if something's your fault, you just can't avoid it, Calvin. Just do whatever you want. It's your fault. Can't avoid it. That doesn't even make yeah. any sense.
1: Right. God forbid, you know, you ever you ever beat up a woman or two, or or become an NFL player. God forbid either one of those things happens.
0: Yeah, I don't want to okay? do any of those things actually.
1: Yeah, that's well, if you want to become you know an NFL player and beat on a woman or two, and you you were asked about it. Like you asked for even if you asked to do an interview, I don't understand why the answer is just not no. Why the answer is just not no? I think I'm good, or we can do the interview, but we can't talk about uh, what happened.
0: Yeah, isn't it? I mean, it's in the past. It was it, it settled. Like people don't talk about things that have already been dealt with in general. It doesn't matter what kind of a a crime or a lawsuit or situation it. It was. It, if it's, it has anything to do with the legal system, once the case is closed, people generally don't talk about it. And I know there are some exceptions and information about everything after the fact that comes out and books are written and all that. But in a negative connotation, I'm trying to say, the person that is involved uh, doesn't talk about it unless they have a well-thought-out plan to of something to say or they know they're innocent and it was a it was a wrongful type of thing and they had to settle anyway etc this just sounds like he's walking around in circles and not providing any sort of real story or evidence to the fact that he didn't beat his wife or girlfriend whoever it was uh, and the, the, I mean just just the fact that he's implying that pictures the, the pictures may have been doctored or something like that. is it, ridiculous because he he just he has a non-answer for everything that Adam Schefter says basically. So it's uh it, it's an indictment on him and it you know people I hope people don't see him any differently than they did before the interview because he looks he looks like a total clown still.
1: I just don't, I don't get what he has to gain, possibly has to gain from coming in an interview and denying. Does he think people are going to believe him? I just think, yeah, he could be this delusional, but, like, doesn't he have people who, who work for him who can keep him from doing this? It's just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, I'm going to throw a wild card topic at you, really. Great. Hall of Fame announcement. Yeah. Well, this is right in your warehouse, so. Hall of Fame announcements. Shaq, Iverson, and Yao Ming. Do you have any thoughts? hmm
0: My thoughts are I'm surprised that Shaq... Um, is going in so soon. Usually guys have to wait a little bit longer after they retire, uh, but I guess he's been out for a few years now. I'm I'm surprised that, that he is going in this quickly, and Iverson was not in yet at this point, but uh, I think they're all deserving. And the Basketball Hall of Fame, it, people have to remember, is not a NBA Hall of Fame, uh, which is another reason that all three of them are deserving Yao Ming for basically bringing the NBA to the rest of the world. Uh, Allen Iverson for sort of doing the same, but also changing the way the NBA was w- was played, uh, and and just or <laughs> the NBA playing changing the way the basketball was played in the NBA, uh, and and also just being a transcendent basketball player on on the streets and just on coming through the NBA and all of that stuff. So he was he he was a legend in his, in his own right regardless of what people want to say negative about him. Uh and Shaq, I don't know. Can you even debate that he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time on, on any level? I mean, he's he was a beast. That's all I'm going to say about that.
1: Yeah. Look. Shaq obviously you know three time n b a or four time n b a champion hall of famer that's fine alan Iverson um I, I, you know what alan Iverson you can you can put in some question about whether or not he's a hall of famer just because if you want to evoke the longevity argument um, you know i i think that he was a guy who broke down fairly young into his career, but when he was dominant, he was a dominant player. I don't I don't really have a problem with it although I I might argue that I might argue that he's borderline but I, I think the thing that puts him in and the thing that puts Yao in 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 both of these cases is the fact that they were iconic right they, they were known for something you know Iverson known for a certain type of street baller um I would you know he, he, to me the strongest argument for Iverson being in the Hall of Fame is the practice rant but I, I think that sort of embodies, like, the, the dude that he was and the fact that he was, like, a small, gritty guy who, like, he was a warrior. Yao Ming... Yeah, everybody you know, was,
0: knew who he was. If you're talking yeah. about fame, straight-up fame and best players out there, I think he's got to be in.
1: But here's the, here's the thing for me, though. Is is Yao Ming... Like, yes, he was, you know, the world's first uh, foreign-born number one draft pick. uh he he brought the he didn't bring the game to millions of Asians because basketball has already been popular in China. But he brought the NBA uh, to millions of Asians, and so no question about mm-hmm. that. And he increased the popularity in China, uh, and, you know, increased the popularity of basketball worldwide, maybe in a lot of other uh, Asian countries. But I just don't think he was as I don't think he was a good enough basketball player for long enough of a time. Didn't deserve being in the Hall of Fame. I said it straight up. Yao yeah, I Ming mean, when he was a kid. But but you're looking
0: at just the NBA. How long did he play in China before he was there? He played for five years in China. He was one of the best players of, of all time in China. Probably the best player of all time uh, in China. And then he came to the NBA for nine years, and I think he was pretty good. Uh, I mean, he, he was basically a double-double guy with a couple blocks, and yeah, he was enormous. And didn't win a championship, but he was an eight-time NBA All-Star. So that, I mean, that's that, that to me is something. And I just, I think you have to factor those five years in China into it as well because who knows if he had been in the NBA at that point, whether he would have been good or not. I I would have to imagine he would have still been a solid player.
1: how old do you think Yao Ming is right now?
0: I know how old Yao Ming is right now. He's
1: 35. Yeah. Yeah. Are you looking at his Wikipedia page? Is that why? Yeah. Well, I just he, looked him up. Yes. Okay, that's fine. In, in, his, in his first year in China, he averaged 10 points and a rebound. In second second season, he missed most of the season because he broke his foot. Okay. Third. All right. So he. He's, so he, he essentially had two functional years. Okay. In 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 the, the Chinese basketball league before before he got to the NBA. So listen that. It's not an Ichiro situation where... Situation? in Ichiro situation where Ichiro was, like, the best player in, in the Japanese leagues by a mile, uh, you know, broke the hit record, and then came over to Major League Baseball. He, he played in a... Essentially, what was a minor league for uh, a couple of years, came to the NBA, and was... I don't... You know... Obviously, he had health issues. He had bad, really bad feet. Okay, he was a good player. I'm not saying he wasn't very, but if you if you just look at his numbers, if you're if you're being fair, they're just nowhere near good enough. Particularly, like the fact that he he essentially had you know five or six straight injury plagued seasons in his career. I don't, I don't see how you can put this guy in the Hall of Fame and the argument, is, again, that he brought the game to, to a bunch of people. But I don't like – that's, like, it's just gimmickry, man. Like, that's like putting Goose Gossage in the Hall of Fame simply on the base of his mustache. But, I mean, you know? I don't
0: know. I don't. No, I don't think so because, it, I mean, he's, he's that famous. He is a basketball player that everybody basically knows. And people – millions of – billions of people around the world know who this guy is. So, I just, I think as far as the game of basketball, or as far as the game of basketball is concerned, he w- he, was, he was good enough for a long period of time. And everybody knows him, so it makes sense to me.
1: But he wasn't good enough for a long period of time. I like, guess that's what I'm getting at. He, he was, was like, 20 and 10. He,
0: he was 20 and 10 for 10 years, nine years in the NBA.
1: No, he wasn't. I'm pulling the stats right now. He was not 20 and 10 Calvin, for he's,
0: years. He's, he, is, he is career 19 points and 9.2 rebounds. That's basically 20 and 10. And that to me, that's a double-double. Not officially a double-double, obviously. But his the injuries, I don't think it's fair to count his count his injuries as something against him. Because he went down in those years that he was having his better years, actually. He was playing great basketball, and then he would get hurt. I don't think you can take that into account and hold it against him as far as getting into the Hall of Fame is concerned because the numbers are still there and he is still that famous figure uh, for basketball. So are,
1: so are Tracy McGrady and Steve Francis Hall of Famers for you too?
0: I don't think is a so lot of people what, really what, know what, who the, who Steve Francis is. First of all, that's a name that, that people now would have no clue who he is. He's fallen off the face of the earth. And Tracy McGrady is, is probably a debatable one, but I don't think his numbers were that good. And I I think that there were a lot of shortcomings that he had as far as both ends of the floor, and playing both ends of the, of of the game. Yao Ming was good on defense and on offense. He could play a full well-rounded game. Tracy McGrady, we, we both know was a slacker when it came to defense. He didn't really play any. So, um, so, if you're looking, so if you want yeah. to nitpick and be critical of guys like that, then that's what I would look at. I would say Yao Ming is a well-rounded basketball player. He's famous, and he put up numbers for, in my mind, good enough period of time that all of that factored in, he deserves to be in.
1: So your argument is essentially that that, that the, the term Hall of Fame should be literal how famous you are should determine whether or not you give them the Hall of Fame. That's basically what you're saying to me at this point?
0: No, because it's a factor. You, it should you, be a, it certainly should be a factor though. And really? if if you're if you're because you're not going to be a a terrible basketball player and be extremely famous. I don't think people ar- around the world know who Brian Scalabrini is. People around the league may, people around around New England may, but even fans in the, in Miami or fans who knows, in New Orleans, might have no clue who he is because he was that bad. I don't think he should be in the Hall of Fame because he reaches X level of fame uh, over the course of a career. I think that it should be a factor in looking at everything else. And if you want me to rank which ones Yao Ming has, his stats would be at the, low, at the bottom of the list. That's his, his, the, the least credible thing that he has going for him, but I still think it's good enough.
1: Murray, if if, if I would ask you who is mo- more famous, uh, Isaiah Thomas or Jeremy Lin, who the answer? Who do you what do you think the answer would be? The answer would be Jeremy uh, Lin. I? Jeremy
0: Lin, yeah, for sure. Right now, Jeremy Lin, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, should th- I don't I, how how is that His any stats don't make the cut.
0: I'm, His stats don't make the cut. Yao Ming's stats make the cut. There's no comparison.
1: Do you really want me to to right now? Come up with a list of guys who have averaged nineteen and nine, and it's really, really taking into like whether or not you think these dudes should be the Hall of Fame.
0: I don't think we Especially have time then, for that because the, most of those guys are probably have, not as famous as Yao Ming. You're missing the point. It's, it's you have to factor everything in as one.
1: And Yao Ming played. Look, Yao, Yao Ming played seven seasons in the NBA. Eight technically, but one season was five games. I'm not counting that. He played seven seasons in the NBA. Seven, really. How is that enough to be a Hall of Famer? It's not.
0: Not that See, alone, but he, perhaps.
1: It wasn't. But it, wasn't because he was, it wasn't because he was old. Because he retired five years ago, and he's only thirty-five now. It wasn't right. So you're, you're, ho- you're again,
0: you're holding his injuries against him.
1: Yes, because he didn't play long enough. Do you have to, do to factoring does it that?
0: Oh, well, we don't really have time if for was, this. We only have five minutes left. I don't know why you're getting so worked up, though.
1: If he was Shaq dominant, then maybe you could you could have the you know what I mean. If he was putting up like twenty seven and ten, then you could be like, look, he only played seven years, but look at those twenty seven and ten. I know I'm getting worked up, but I just figured we'd burn out the rest of our conversations for next time. Uh, we don't have time <laughs> to get into something else, so I'm just stretching this out for the final. Gotcha.
0: Well, um, I don't really feel like arguing about Yao Ming getting into the Hall of Fame anymore, so.
1: All right, well,
0: we will going call it a wrap. We'll just wrap it up. Yep, let's let's do it. Uh, good stuff, buddy. And uh, we'll we'll do it again soon. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Follow us on C- on Twitter at Clns Radio. Follow me on Twitter as well at Team Green Truth. A couple of pictures from the Lakers and Warriors games up there. Want to go check those out? It was a lot of fun that weekend i do it again in a heartbeat, and maybe next time I can actually run into you, Calvin, you jerk.
1: Perhaps. No
0: promises. (laughs) Perhaps. No promises. Never any promises. All right. Good night, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. This has been Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. Good night,